Oscars. Let's give our brother Corey a warm round of applause. Thank you. First things first, I want to say thank you. So, um, out of way of a joke to get us started. Uh, Chuck gave me a suggestion for a sermon title. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to prepare it, but it was uh, on the altar of sleep, and we just have to sacrifice the Red Bull to keep going. But unfortunately, I don't drink Red Bull. But back to the main focus uh, that I really want to talk about. So some of us might not know what today is. Um, The date today is December 7th. December 7th, 2022 doesn't really ring too much of a bell, but uh, for those of us that know much about history, December 7th, 1941 uh, was a day that will live in infamy, which was the day that Pearl Harbor was attacked by the Empire of Japan. So some of us, we might not have remembered what this day is, but um, the moment that I was reminded, I couldn't possibly forget and I couldn't possibly put it down. Um, so I wrote this sermon entitled Unaware. Um, Pearl Harbor is not the only day in history that Americans have been caught completely unaware, or caught by surprise. In fact, to catch your enemy by surprise is actually one of the oldest strategies known to man for war. Um, and then another date that many of us that are of a slightly younger generation because I know, at least my generation, I wasn't alive for Pearl Harbor, but still it was a date that uh, was very significant in our, in our country's history. If I was to say September 11th, all of us immediately would think of the, the Twin Towers and the attack on them uh, by the terrorist group. And I don't know about you, but anyone else that's alive that day probably can tell you exactly when they heard about it and exactly where they were and exactly what they were doing. I know I can because I was in high school still in a guidance, office, a guidance counselor's type of office when it was on the TV, and immediately our entire world stood still, and it's as if nothing else had happened. This is the same type of event that would have transpired for Pearl Harbor. To set the picture a little bit, Pearl Harbor that morning was simply another Sunday morning. There was nothing special about it, nothing particularly unique. The day would have started like any other day to every other person on the island. And of the people on this island, there are thousands of people, to be exact, 2,404 sailors. I don't know if they were all sailors, but all military members, that by the end of that day would be dead. And it was not the military people alone. There would have been 68 civilians that also would have been dead by the end of that day, only a number of hours later. And to top that off, there would also be 28 Japanese fighter pilots that also would perish. And Japan freely, willingly sacrificed those men for their purpose and their cause. This might seem like a little bit of a heavy start, but trying not to bore you with the details. There's a little bit of a timeline that I found online that just very briefly mentions the highlights of how that day started. And the very first moment that there was any opportunity to detect the attack was at 6.10 a.m. when one of the U.S. ships, a minesweeper, actually spotted a periscope of a Japanese 
submarine, approximately 200 miles off coast. Then at 6.45 was the first shots that the USS Ward actually fired on that submarine. A lot of this was delayed in understanding what was going on because of the decoding process that really added a lot of time. But then at 7.02, the most important part of the warning was that a brand new radar system that was installed only a month prior then detected the large number of aircraft that were coming towards the island. But there was an Army lieutenant that told the radar operator to disregard it, that it must be a mistake. It must be the B-17 bombers that are supposed to be coming from California, even though they weren't supposed to arrive until 10 a.m. They would have been very early. That's what led to the first wave reaching the island, literally with absolutely no countermeasures in place, absolutely no one aware. The first people, the first strikes hit the island at approximately between 740 and 755, depending on which one uh, you would note as the true first attack, but the most significant is the coordinated time was 755. And then throughout that attack, there was a second wave, and I don't need to bore you with the exact specifics. Then the attack was essentially wrapped up by 10 a.m. Not a very large window, a little over two hours. But then two hours thereafter, finally, Japan gives their declaration of war to the United States in Washington two hours after the attack had already been completely done. Now, in thinking of what to preach on today... I couldn't help but think of a few different stories and a few different things that, that parallel the physical. Because one of the truths of, of history that we have is simply that we can learn from it. The military learns from their failings, sometimes better than their successes, as well as us personally, we learn from history. And plainly, one of the absolute best historically accurate documents you can read that will help you with your life is the Bible itself. That we can learn from the mistakes of other people, so hopefully we ourselves won't have to actually go through them. And the truth is, for ourselves personally, we may not have today airplanes flying overhead, but we do have an enemy that does not like us, that does not want us to succeed. The Bible will tell us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This speaks literally of demonic forces that fight against us. And that's true whether you're a Christian or not. You just may not be aware of it. But for Christians, you should know that there absolutely are forces that will be coming against us on a regular basis. And these different forces are not always from one place but also here in Matthew 24, verse 43, it speaks of when the thief comes, and this is, again, the same thing. A criminal would not come and announce you at the door and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm breaking in your house tonight, so if you could have the valuables lined up on the couch, I'd appreciate it. It's just not the way it works. So it says, but know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And in 1 Peter 5.8 it says, Be sober, be vigilant, 
because your adversary, the devil, prowls around. I'm, I'm going back to the children's church now. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. In case you wondered, there was a memory verse for children's church a while ago, and they learned a different version, so um, my brain jumped back to children's church very quickly. So the truth is, our enemy makes plans even while we're sleeping and even while we are not engaged. And the first plans on Pearl Harbor were actually started nearly a year prior. They had thought this through. They had even chose Sunday morning as a date for the attack because it was most likely that many of the servicemen who would attend chapel would not be at their post. It would be the least manned opportunity that they would have is right before that chapel should start. Our spiritual enemy knows these things too, and that's why they craft attempts against our stability, against our minds, against every opportunity we may have, and they would even coordinate attacks. They were willing to wait for years, if necessary, for the very opportunity. And the one thing I do find extremely interesting, at least for this attack in Pearl Harbor, because I thought it was very uh, representative and instructive, is that of those lives that were lost, the single greatest number was actually from a single armor-piercing bomb that was dropped. And what it did is it penetrated the, the armor of the USS Arizona and it ignited over 1 million pounds of gunpowder, killing 1,177 souls aboard in an instant. Every last one of them were gone. No time to think about it. The entire ship was lost. And the part that I found extremely interesting is in thinking of our own spiritual lives is that this ship, its own ammunition, caused the greatest death that day, more so than the enemy's bombs, more so than, than the fighter pilots. The most death was caused by their own ammunition. And us as Christians... This is something that we should know and that we should be cognizant of is that, that if we don't use the weapons that God gave us for its intended purposes, that there can come a day where the coordinated attack of our enemy, our spiritual enemy, would come and attempt to pierce our armor and would be able to get through that the potential for harm is greater nowhere else but within our own heart. And this is just an incredible representative moment of that very real fact, is that in our own hearts sometimes we, we may enter into things somewhat dismissively, but just like at Pearl Harbor there was the first opportunity and then a second opportunity, both these warning signs were dismissed. And this is exactly what we do whether it be a person that's saved or as, a, as in a Christian, someone who serves Jesus Christ, or whether it be someone who knows absolutely nothing of God, they might flirt with drinking, they might flirt with drugs, they might flirt with a boyfriend or girlfriend, they might dibble-dabble in stealing, they might get into all these different things. Because at least, as far as I know, there are... I don't know of anyone that just wakes up today and goes, I want to be a murderer. 
every step along the way brought them to that point. And even for the person that chooses to not do right after having served God for a long time, they didn't make that decision in a day. They allowed bitterness, they allowed offense, they allowed any number of things hinder them and grow a wedge. And then they stopped at some point taking the fight to the enemy, using the weapons that God has given us, the weapons to pray, the weapons of the words of our own mouths to send back onto the enemy the very things which they would send to us to try and torment us. And that brings me to our main text, is because the outcome does not only have to be the utter devastation like we saw in Pearl Harbor and in 9-11. There can be a different outcome. So I wanted to read 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8-23. through 23. A little bit lengthy, but I think it's all relevant. I'm going to break it up probably in two parts, but, um, but I think it's all well, well worth uh, reading tonight. And this is, for those who don't know, this is actually uh, Elisha when he uh, was giving the, the king of Israel uh, information about attacks that were coming against the people of Israel. So now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officer, he said, I will set up my camp in such a place, in, it's in such and such a place, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing this place because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on that, on that place indicated by the man of God time and time, time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now, Elisha was absolutely doing what he was supposed to be doing here. He was obeying God. He was relaying the information that God had given him that would save others. And because of this information... What would follow is that the king would specifically target him next. So he said, go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up, and went out early the next morning, the army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So this it can be just like one of us. We've been serving God. We've been doing exactly what we're supposed to do. We could have been even caught unaware within a moment of time. And just like this story, the man of God, he was surrounded. An entire city was surrounded just for one man. They was obeying God, was doing right, was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. He actually knew what to do next. He actually told his servant, he said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. 
The Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses of chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had said. And Elisha told him, This is not the road, this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of those men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and and they looked, and they were in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my, my father? Shall I kill them? I'm going to pause there and finish off in a minute. But the very attack that the enemy had brought against the man of God, now instead of being an opportunity for victory for the devil, was the very, very opposite. And this is the very same thing that each one of us can have in each of our lives is that even if we were caught unaware, if we properly process a moment in time that could be incredibly important for exactly what God would have us do, even though the situations might seem dire, might seem terrible, might see, seem unsolvable on our, own, on our own understanding, but if we follow and listen to what God has given us, He will show us the way out and He can even turn them for His good. This even made me think of Jesus Himself the Pharisees thought that crucifying him would get rid of this pesky prophet called Jesus. But the truth was is that God in heaven actually used that very situation and their own jealousy and their own hatred towards him to accomplish his perfect will. And in that perfect place, that's how Jesus came to this earth and was able to give his life as a perfect sacrifice for each of us. They didn't stop there. They then persecuted the the early disciples, and that simply spread the gospel to every region. Also, again, serving perfectly for exactly what God had. In that moment and at that time, he might have even, dare I say, used an uncomfortable situation to get them to go exactly where he needed them to go. So the truth is, is that we do not need to be unaware. I'm sure Jesus knew exactly what was going on, and he was a part of the whole plan. There was another story of the Old Testament that uh, my daughters like a whole lot, and it's the story of Esther. And Haman tried to plot and scheme against the Jews, and he tried to twist the king's will But even that, which was meant to annihilate the Jews, did the exact opposite. They were then allowed because this one person in the right place at the right time that God had ordained was able to do exactly what they were called to do in a moment of time. And she was able to lift up her voice to the king and able to switch the tide and use the very plans, the very stores that were prepared to annihilate the Jews, to do the exact opposite, to bless them, to plunder the people that would seek out to destroy them. And that's an amazing example of exactly what God can do for each of us in our lives. Because the truth is, we do not need to be unaware. Each of us 
if you are a servant or you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to know where the attack would come from. And we also have the opportunity to know that God is on our side and God is helping us. In the story that I read for the main text, Elisha asked that God would open the eyes of the servant. The servant is the younger, the less skilled, the less seasoned follower. And we can help our younger, less seasoned followers even when we would go through possibly a difficult time where others might not understand it. But I say that it's actually a good thing when some of those attacks would come. Not for the destruction, but for the outcome that God has for it. As well as you don't attack someone that's not doing something right. But there's a few things that are very important within this. As I said, the source of the attack against the man of God was was the devil, was the enemy, was inspired by hell. And that's also true within our own church. It's not our brother or sister in Christ. It's not the friend sitting next to you or the neighbor across the street. The source is still one and the same, and it's the advers- your adversary, the devil. And then secondly, that we're simply, we're not alone, and God is with us, and he has given us weapons to war against the devil just as Jesus did on the, at the, on the Temple Mount, as the Scriptures said, that he prayed, he gave, he, he gave the Word of God, he used Scripture, even though the devil would try and twist the very same Scripture to say exactly what they would have it say, no different than any other false doctrine. But Jesus used Scripture, the very Word of God, to combat him. And they also, Elisha prayed, and Jesus also prayed in, in each of the situations Repeatedly, we saw Jesus return to prayer again and again and again. Prayer is actually our most powerful weapon. And it's one of the things that the devil truly cannot comprehend its value or its power. And that's why I find it so interesting that even in the moment of time that Elisha prayed, he said, strike them with blindness. And in a moment of time, the attack that now was meant to capture the man of God has done an incredible different purpose was being served. So sometimes we may have the attack, we might have something else coming against us. It could be any number of things. Sometimes it's something that we ignored and we allowed it to sneak up on us. But even if we're caught unaware, we have the opportunity to respond Right. In Pearl Harbor, they had a couple opportunities to to recognize the attack. I've mentioned this already. I won't bore you with saying it again. But we, sometimes we have our conscience. It's like our own personal radar given to us by the Holy Spirit that tells us when we're doing something wrong. And if we would listen to that radar, we would be aware of the opportunity to have a self-inflicted wound or one that would be attempted to be put upon us. I find it extremely interesting that I can't count the number of times I've heard of different stories, but you would have a, a man of God that would have one thing or another that would fall in their lap or be sent directly to them that would attempt to steal away from them the purpose that God has for them. 
any different any number of varieties of what that exactly would mean, but for the young men, it could be literally Satan could send pornography directly to your door. For the young women, it could be a written smut magazine or some other thing that would make you fantasize inappropriately to another direction. Or it could simply be something that would steal away your attention that belongs elsewhere. Because if we focus too much on any one thing, it's inappropriate. And I think some of us, we might get weary in waiting. And that's one of the problems when we have to wait. As well as the problem with patience. In order to develop patience, you have to be patient. One of those things. And another one of those moments that I was thinking, when I was thinking of just the topic unaware, was the... uh, the story of the virgins waiting for the bridegroom to return. They were there trying their best to be patient, but because they didn't prepare, they were drawn away. And for the others that did prepare, they were able to be patient and not have the compounded issue that would add to the very moment that was meant to be for them. And each of us as Christians... Sometimes we've waited for things for a long time. Sometimes we've waited for important things that we know God wants for us for a long time. But if we don't prepare for the things that God wants for us along the way, there will come a time where there will be an opportunity for you to be caught while you're unaware and the very thing that was meant for you, that's ready for you, could be stripped away from you because you weren't patient at the right time. But I believe a God that redeems. So that brings me to simply that we should also be aware of that time. What time is it? This sounds simple, but a wise man once told me that if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. And I, being the smart guy I was, of course, had to have a rebuttal to that. But, uh, but it is true that in order to be anywhere on time, you must first know what time it is. Ironically, my wife asks me this all the time when we're trying to get ready. She'll ask me, do you know what time it is? And the answer 99% of the time is no. You're supposed to tell me. (laughs) So, uh, and with that, in the day and age that we live, we also must know the time that it is. And biblically speaking, of the full hourglass, we are in the last three grains of sand, basically. Because all the prophecy has been fulfilled that Jesus' return could come at any time. In 1 Thessalonians 5, says this, But concerning the time and the season, brethren, you have no need that, you should, that, that I should write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that so that this day should so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep Sleep at night, 
and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of self in the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we live together with him. Now, this is one of those amazing uh, word pictures that, that speaks in a number of levels on exactly what we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting for the day to come. And the truth is the day could come at, at any moment. And... That comes down to simply being aware. If we are aware, we then can make others aware. You can be the one that sounds the alarm. You can be the one that saves the household from the fire. And in Jesus' time, John the Baptist was his forerunner that would sound the alarm of his coming, that would prepare the, that would prepare the way for him. And there's a number of other scriptures here that speak of the same thing, but I want to read simply... Revelation 16.15 Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk uh, lest he walk it and they see his shame. This is speaking of that, that opportunity of exactly when he would come, that they would be ready and clothed in, in, in their right mind, serving God and honoring him in that very hour. And we don't know the time just as it spoke in Matthew that says, no one knows the time or the hour, only the Father. These are one of those things that just, again, it amazes me. Through the years, it, some people, they would have the wrong perspective, would say, well, it's been years and nothing's happened. But it should be the opposite perspective. It's been years and still hasn't happened, so you should be, have the, quite the opposite reaction. We should be all the more aware and prepared for that time, because the the last thing that we simply can do as brethren is tell the others that don't know. And simply, for those that don't know, it's very simple. It's that Jesus came to this earth to pay for our sins, and your sins are simply the things that we've done that are wrong that separate us from God. And with that, I'm actually going to go ahead and have every head bowed as we speak for just a moment longer. And like I said at the beginning... The people at Pearl Harbor were, were unaware. People at the trade towers were unaware. Each of them were unaware that that was going to be the very day that was going to be their last. It does not take a terrorist event for that to be true for any one of us. It's not that morbid to think of this because it's a truth and reality of life that we have but one life to live. And as the Bible would say, that it is appointed to man once to die, then the judgment. So for each of us, we will not be one of those ones that will say, I was unaware. We have the opportunity to acknowledge what God has called us to and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, brought to this earth to die the death of the worst criminals and the worst sorts to shed his blood that we could be forgiven and I'm going to first call to anyone that has not that's never known Jesus in that way 
Each of us, we've done things wrong. Our conscious, that Holy Spirit radar, it's built within us that we know when something's wrong. No one had to be taught to know that they did something wrong. Quite the opposite, they had to be taught to forget or to not think it's wrong. And then they learn just within their own actions sometimes. No different than the toddler screaming no or stealing the cookie. We can recognize that. But the truth is we don't have to live with the shame. We don't have to live with the guilt. And we don't have to live with the penalty that comes from sin. How many people in this place would want that forgiveness? Because Jesus has offered a way for us to be forgiven. To not need to pay that penalty. Not to need to bear that shame because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So if there be any in this place, how many would there be? Because God would take this time, this opportunity to be calling out to you to make you aware of the opportunity that's before you. Because he wants nothing more than to have the opportunity to forgive. We have a God who loves us. He doesn't desire to destroy us. He doesn't desire to cause us pain. It's quite the opposite. He cared about us so much that he laid down the life of his only son for the opportunity to forgive us. And why would he pay such an incredibly high cost? The truth is because we're worth it. And moving on, some of us, maybe we once knew God. Maybe we got tired of waiting. Maybe we got drawn away because we didn't see each of the bumps along the road. We didn't notice the warning signs or we ignored our conscience and we fell away and if you would want to return to Jesus Christ he also all the same would be delighted at the opportunity to forgive you how many in this place would that if that would be you if you could raise your hand we would be honored at the opportunity to pray with you we're not trying to sign you up for a church or anything like that first we just simply want you to have the opportunity to be forgiven that if this day was your last as these many thousands of people before us did not know it was their last if this would be your last that you would know where you're going that heaven would be your home not going to hold this long how many of that would there be in this place that would apply for you and you would want to receive that forgiveness. And lastly, to Christians, these are people who serve Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there's been some bumps along the road. Maybe there's been some distractions. Maybe the devil's been trying to twist and torment you and trying to pitch you against one another. It's been launching the armor-piercing, perfectly crafted rounds at your heart and trying to detonate the ammunition that's within there. I'm going to give an opportunity for those of you that are Christians, if you want to come to this altar, that you want to pray, God would be delighted to help you with each of those items to set you free and put you in right relationship with Him again. With that, I'll invite anyone that would like to pray. Come on. Well, the altars are open. You're welcome to join us here.